Now, I've picked the movie Elf for a good number of reasons. And the first and foremost reason is Elf has got to be one of the most fun people to be around. There is no way that Elf, if he was to walk in the room this morning, that we would not notice him. And you might have seen a few Elves hats uh, pointing around this morning. But if, um, yeah, if, if you've not seen the movie before, as the, the trailer just pointed out, Elf uh, is adopted and is raised by elves. So he's a human, but he's raised in the North Pole. And there are lots of things that we can learn from Elf. As I said, he's, he's fun to be around. He's been raised by elves. But when you look at Buddy the Elf, you notice straight away he looks different. And as you notice from the trailer, he acts very differently when he's going up escalators, when he's drinking drinks. He, he looks and he sounds different than maybe how we would ourselves. But most importantly, the reason that I've picked Buddy the Elf this morning and the reason why I want to talk about Buddy the Elf is because he is a representative of Santa no matter where he goes, no matter what he does, he is representing Santa. And this morning, I want to pull out a few, a few lessons that we can learn about maybe who it is that we are representing. So I've entitled my message this morning, A Little More Like Elf. My objective by the end of today is when you walk out those doors, that you walk out and you act just a little more like Elf. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So for this morning, because Elf is not in the Bible, we need to bring scripture in somewhere, just in case you were unsure. We're going to be focusing on a passage of scripture from Colossians 3. And we're going to use that scripture as a framework which highlights some of these different lessons that we can learn. Now, for those of you that maybe aren't familiar uh, with Colossians, uh, it is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul and also by Timothy, and it was written to a church in the small city of Colossae. Now, to give you a little bit of a background and a little bit of context to this letter, the, the church that the Apostle Paul and Timothy was writing to, it was likely started by a Colossian, a Colossian by the name of Epaphras. Now, Epaphras likely will have heard the gospel message and will have heard that message about Jesus himself when the Apostle Paul was preaching, most likely in the city of Ephesus. Lots of nice, interesting words this morning. Now, after hearing this message of Jesus, we see that uh, Epaphras, he responds to the gospel, he gives his life to Jesus, and he goes back to his hometown, and he begins sharing this message of Jesus in his hometown. And as a result of that evangelism, as a result of sharing that message, we see the Colossian church is born. Now, in exactly the same way as the Colossian church, this morning we are going to be able to learn lots of lessons from this letter. And I believe that many of that is going to be very relevant for us this morning. So to begin with this, we're going to start by reading Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. We should have it up here on the screen. And it's entitled, Raised to New Life. Best title ever. 
And it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you die to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. And I love this passage for a few reasons. But it begins talking about setting our sights on the realities of heaven. And it goes on to say that we've died to our old lives. And as a result, we've been raised to a new Life And to begin with, I want to focus on that phrase, set your realities of heaven, or set your sights on the realities of heaven. So to do that, I'm going to use a little bit of an illustration. And up here on the screen behind me, we've got an image of a set of sights. Now, this particular type of sights that we're looking at behind us is found on a rifle. And... I'm going to explain how these sights work because at the, the, at the butt of the rifle, we see that we have a sight, which is that small hole. And then at the end of the barrel, we have another sight. Now, to explain how this works, we're all going to have a little bit of audience participation. So what I'd like you to do, first of all, I'd like everybody to make a hole like this with your thumb and your finger. And you can all have a look through that, Okay. And what I want you to do with your other hand, and I'm going to struggle to do this because i got a microphone, I'd like you to do this with your finger on the other hand. Okay, we all got that? Brilliant. So what I want you to do with the hole, I want you to slowly move your finger across until you find it in the center of that hole. Does everyone do that? Can everybody see? Perfect. Give yourself a round of applause. That was, that's impressive. So the way that this sight works is at the top we have what's called a peep sight. And what happens is you look through that peep sight to the other, the other sight that we have at the end of the barrel. Now the peep sight itself, it never moves. It always stays in exactly the same place. It is only the barrel itself that moves. And the sight will only work if you get those two lined up. Because if they're not lined up, you're not going to hit your target. And this morning, I want to unpack this idea of setting our sights on the realities of heaven. And in order to do that, what we have to do, we have to line up our lives with what God has for our lives. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of this fact, of this idea of aligning our sights on the reality of heaven. And it can be so easy to focus on our lives here on earth. Because let's face it, we're all living it. This is our reality. This is, this is what we're doing. And the reason that I love Buddy the Elf, one of those reasons is because he demonstrates so well what it looks like to live in a city away from the North Pole. He's completely separate. He's away from that. Yet, Wherever he is, he's able to outlive his life as an elf. It doesn't matter where he is. He's going to be elf in those places. 
So we're going to unpack what that looks like to set our sights on the realities of heaven. So to do that, we're going to continue with our passage out of Colossians. Now, you don't have to put your seatbelt on, you don't have to buckle up, because this next part of the passage shows us what our old lives looked like before we were raised to new life. And it says this in Colossians 3, verse 5 to 6. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I love that word, lurk. It's lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. I did tell you to buckle up. Part of becoming a Christian is dying to our old ways of living and following the way that God has designed our lives to be given and this passage points out that our, what our lives may have looked like before we repented and before we gave our lives to Jesus. Now, I just want to focus on that word repent for one moment. Because the word, the word repent, it means to change one's mind or to change one's purpose. And as that scripture points out, each of us within us, we have these earthly desires that are lurking within us. And part of being a human is that we are born into sin. But as a Christian, we have the opportunity to repent and to change our purpose. It's a choice. And by doing this, what we're able to do, we're able to align our lives with the reality of heaven. So my first point this morning, and the first thing that we're going to be learning from Elf is this. He is dressed differently. And when you look at Elf, as I said, he's undeniably an Elf. If the green stockings don't give it away, or sorry, the yellow stockings, I don't know what will. And continuing that passage in Colossians, it goes on to say in verse 9 to 11, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It is this new life. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Come on. Just like Buddy the Elf chooses is to dress differently, we too should dress ourselves spiritually and we should dress ourselves differently to maybe what the rest of the world looks like. And this scripture says that we are told to put on a new nature. And this is a choice of removing the old things. Now, let's put this down to brass tacks. Let's make this as simple as possible. When you get a clean pair of jeans out of the wash, you make sure you've got some clean underwear on. True? True. Most of the time, yeah. Dep depends if the, uh, the underwear drawers fall or not. 
What we don't do is get a fresh pair of jeans out of the wash and with our boxers on that we've had on all week, then put those jeans on. No, no. Come on, we've got to be real in church. We've got to address these issues. You put on something new, something clean. And what this scripture points out is that part of the journey as a Christian, part of the journey as a disciple is that we strip off the old, dirty things and we clothe ourselves in something new. It's a choice to remove those old things. And as we read in in that passage just before, you know, we align our sights, and it says by getting rid of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. And this is a process, thank God, that we don't do on our own. It's not something we have to do in our own strength. And one of the fruits of the, the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of having God in our lives is self-discipline. And this is a, it is a fruit, and it is something that must be cultivated in our lives. We strip off that old nature by renewing our mind. We have to retrain the way that we think and allow God to put new thoughts into our mind. And speaking from experience, speaking as a guy, you know, these uh, are things that are within all of us. And these are things that I've personally had to deal with, the, the things that I've had to put things in place to ensure that I'm continually stripping off that old nature. And then if, if any of you are sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, those things lurk within me. You know, they are within all of us. But if you're in a place where you're really struggling, I'd recommend a great book. And it's called The Truth About Men. And the author is a guy called Devon Franklin. He's an American author. And in that book, he addresses these desires that are within both men and women. And he addresses it in such a great way. But one of the illustrations that he has within that book, he talks about these desires being an untrained dog. Now, have we got any dog owners in the room this morning? We've got a few. I know the Draytons. You've had a puppy not not so long ago. Has there been a lot of training involved? You're trying. You're trying. As, as having dogs and growing up with dogs, if you just leave a dog and you do not train it, it will be wild. It will destroy your house. It will run off when you go on a walk. Even when you train it, it still does that. <laughs> but what this book, The Truth About Men, what it points out is that actually we are the master of our lives. And it is our responsibility to train and discipline those desires that we have within our lives. And the great news is, is that we do that in partnership with Holy Spirit. We don't do it on our own. We don't solely try and do it in our own strength. But we partner with Holy Spirit and we cultivate that gift, that fruit of self-discipline in our lives. It is our choice to dress differently. We choose it. God doesn't force it. He doesn't say you have to wear these clothes. It is our choice. So this morning, we have the choice to clothe ourselves spiritually. We have the choice to clothe ourselves differently. So in elf fashion, I can see a few people around the room with their hats. I am choosing this morning to clothe myself differently. Does it suit? So my color. <laughs> so to illustrate this point a little bit further, I've got another scripture for you, and it is out of 1 Peter 
verse 1, verse 13 to 16. I'll let you read that while I have a drink. And again, this is entitled, A Call to Holy Living. And it says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Did you catch that? Prepare your minds. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious, gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. As Christ followers... And as obedient children of God, we strip off our old sinful nature and we choose to dress ourselves in holiness. Oh, yes. And we prepare our minds for action and we prepare it for self-control. And it's a muscle that has to be exercised. The more that we use it, the stronger it becomes. And just like Buddy the Elf, we choose to dress differently. So my second point this morning is this, raised for a holy purpose. And, in, and to introduce this next part of this morning's message, we are going to have another look at Elf. And I've got another clip for you that gives you a little bit of an insight into why Buddy the Elf is the way that he is. Brilliant. Brilliant. So we see in that clip there that Buddy is adopted by an elf. And as a result, Buddy is brought up being taught all that it means to be an elf. And we saw on there the Code of the Elves. Now, for any bonus points, can anybody remember all three Codes of the Elves? There might be a hat in it for you if you can get this right. Treat every day like Christmas. I see a hand up. Yes. There, pretty much, we're there. We've got one more at the back. Yes, there is nice. Well, you've got, so we've got treat every day like Christmas. If nothing else, let's do that after today. Number two, there is room for everyone on the nice list. If there was ever a preach, it's in that point right there. There is room for everyone on the nice list. Now, I'm not talking about Santa's nice list. I'm talking about the book of life this morning. I'm talking about the book where God records every single name of everybody who has ever responded to him. If there was ever a preach, it's right there. And the third, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. You'll have an opportunity to do that later on. We see in that clip that Buddy, he starts his apprenticeship by working on Santa's sleigh. And we see that Buddy, he's learning a new way of life. It's a bit alien. He doesn't quite fit in. But he learns that from his adopted father. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. Because as Christians, we believe that when we, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we repent and we, we come to God, that actually we are adopted into God's family he accepts us as sons and daughters. And 
in the same way, part of the discipleship journey, it, it's learning to be sons and daughters of God. It's learning to be that representative of God. And going back to that illustration, it, it's lining up those sights and bringing in our line, uh, in line in our lives that God has got for us. But as sons and daughters, we're clothed differently, but we also act differently. Our lives are given a new purpose. And part and parcel of being an elf is treating every day like Christmas. And part of being a Christian is that actually we are, I'm going to use an old-fashioned word here, we are sanctified. Or another word is that we are called to holiness. We just read, because God is holy, we are holy. And what do I mean when I say that? Do I mean that we all walk around with halos on our head just singing, No, I don't. When we look at that word sanctification, when we look at that definition word, there's two ways of pouring it. One is separation to God. And another way is set apart for a purpose. And I have a few items in my life that are sanctified. And I've used this illustration before, so please forgive me if you've heard this before. But one item that is sanctified in my life is my toothbrush. My toothbrush has been set apart. It has been separated for one purpose. That purpose is brushing my teeth. That toothbrush does not get used for cleaning the toilet, even though it is electric and it would get rid of, yeah, anyway. It is not used for cleaning the sink and trying to get the hair out of the plug hole. It's not. It's not. It is sanctified. It is set apart. It is holy for one purpose. That purpose is brushing my teeth. And in the same way, God calls us to be holy. He calls us to be set apart for a single purpose. And in the same way as it is to be holy, to be separated, we see in the Old Testament, in the temple, they had utensils that were, they were sanctified. They had gold utensils that were used within the temple. And in the same way, in our house, we have a special set of cutlery, and we have a special set of plates that are reserved for when someone comes round. For when that guest comes round, they are set apart for a single purpose. And in exactly the same way, God wants us to set our lives apart for him. And last week, Sarah shared a piece of scripture, and I've nicked it, and I'm sharing it again this morning, because I'd never heard it in this translation, and it just jumped out at me. And it's out of Ephesians 1, verse 14, and it's out of the passage, uh, sorry, the Passion Translation. And it says, he is given to us, talking about Jesus, Jesus is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. And this is a a beautiful illustration of the offer that is given to us from Jesus. And we are invited into a covenant relationship, this idea of a, a marriage relationship. And when I got married to Becky... I recited wedding vows, and within those vows, I was committing my life to Becky. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard the expression, by saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. 
I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But when I proposed to Becky and I asked her to marry me and when I said those wedding vows, I was saying yes wholeheartedly to Becky. I was giving my life to her as a husband. But in doing that, what I was doing, I was saying no to making myself available to anybody else. I'd solely set myself apart for Becky. Now, if after we got married, I went back to living how I was when I was single, do you think Becky would be particularly impressed or happy with that? No, I don't think any of us would be. And in the same way, when we give our lives to Jesus, we say yes to him. But what we may be doing in turn and in token with that is saying no to other things within our lives. And the amazing thing about Jesus and the amazing thing about him dying on the cross is that when he did that, he made a way for all to come to him. Jesus wants us to come to him just as we are. We don't have to try and sort our lives out and then come to him. What he says is, we sang this morning, the Father's arms are open wide. Just come to him. Come to the altar. And just as we are, we can approach. And Jesus is able to forgive us as we repent and turn our lives around. And we do this by clothing ourselves differently. And we do it by saying no to some of the old things that were in our lives. And what we end up doing is saying yes to God's purposes for a holy way of living. And, you know, in part of doing that, part of the fun of being a Christian is that we get to see heaven come to earth. Part of being a Christian is that through our actions, we can lead other people to Jesus. We can have a part to play in bringing people to Jesus. And this next part of Colossians, it talks about this new purpose a little bit more in depth. I'm going to go over this side of the stage to read it. So if we could have that next scripture. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. God's chosen us to be his holy people, his holy people and we can clothe ourselves differently. And it lists there with kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. And this Christmas, I want to challenge you to intentionally choose to clothe yourselves differently and intentionally choose to live for that holy purpose. And one of our core values as a church is kindness. And through everything that we do as a church, kindness will always be at the core. And you may find some of these values come more naturally. You know, patience being one of them for me, you know, it doesn't come naturally. But it's by partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to cultivate these fruits within our lives. And we saw that the elves there, they went to school. They didn't just get it. They didn't just wake up when they were an elf. They went to school. They learned. And as, as Christians, we can do the same, that actually we can partner with the Holy Spirit and we can put things into our lives so remember, God has raised us for a holy purpose. So my third and, and final point this morning is this, spread the cheer. And 
I want to read out Colossians 4, uh, 3, verse 16 to 17. And it says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thanksgiving. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We are carrying the message about Christ, and it is the best news on the planet. We are instructed here to allow it to fill our lives, allow it to permeate through who we are, through everything we do, everything we think, allow Christ to fill our lives. And my question for you this morning, for some of you who may be sitting there, you know, have you accepted Jesus into your life? We had that illustration of someone proposing. We quite often have that picture of someone getting down on one knee. You know, Jesus is there with his arms open. Have you accepted that for yourself this morning? Have you separated yourself for God's purposes? When you look at your life, have you allowed Jesus to fill it, every part of it? Are you still living out that old sinful nature? Have you got some clean jeans on, but underneath you're like, I need to change these now. Do you need to strip off that old sinful nature and clothe yourself in something new? And if we were to take a measurement of our faith this morning, how do you feel it would be? And I've got a, a screenshot up here of the, the dash of Santa's sleigh, and we've got the clausometer. And you might have heard there in the clip that the clausometer is at an all-time low. Because Christmas spirit is at an all-time low. If I asked you this morning, how is your faith? Where would you put it on a scale? Is it full? Is it permeating? Is it in and through all areas of your life? Or actually, do you feel that actually it's a little bit low? And we saw in that clip, it asked, you know, where do the magical reindeer get their power from? And they talk about it coming from Christmas spirit. And quite often, we, we try and do things in our own strength. And later on in that clip that we saw with Santa's sleigh, we see that the elves end up strapping a jetpack to the bottom of the sleigh to try and make it fly. But the reality is, if those elves just raised the Christmas spirit, just raised it that little bit more, that sleigh would fly all on its own. They wouldn't need the jetpack. And I've got a powerful piece of scripture now. This give you a jetpack, and it's Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 17. I'm going to read this out. It's powerful. And I pray that he, Jesus, would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. Each of us has a measure of faith. And we are all carriers of the love of Christ. And it is so important that we outwork the faith that God has given us. 
And we're able to use that faith. And we're able to see heaven come to earth. But we have to believe in faith that it is God's favor, his supernatural love. And most importantly, his love is at the root of our lives. So as we are coming to a close, I've got one final clip that I'd like to show you this morning. And then I'm going to get back up. Wow. (laughs) This clip demonstrates what it looks like when people have faith and when people have hope. Good news is we don't have to put our faith in Santa Claus. But we've got someone far greater, far more powerful. We've got Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. So how can we raise the amount of faith in our lives? It's simple. It's by receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 16 of of what we just read, it said, Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then we've got our picture of our meter up here, nice and full. When we sing, we make declarations of faith. When we sing and we praise God, we connect with the Holy Spirit and it renews our faith. And what I'd like us to do this morning as we sing and as we close is that we allow the person of the Holy Spirit to renew our faith this morning. That as we sing and we declare, we come to the throne room, that we come before God. And just like the elves, it is our job to spread Christmas cheer, singing loud for all to hear. It is our responsibility and it's our privilege to share the good news of Jesus. Just like Buddy the Elf, we need to just be ourselves. We just need to clothe ourselves differently and act differently and think differently. And as a result of that, we will bring something new into people's lives. That we can take the joy of God into people's lives. And no matter where Buddy the Elf goes, he takes Christmas cheer with him. When he walks into the room, he lights it up. And as representatives of Christ, we are carrying the best news. We carry the solution to people's problems. We can offer something different to the world. And in conclusion, at the very beginning, we saw that each elf has a job and each elf has a task. And in the same way, God has given us a task. And this is my challenge for you this Christmas. And it's out of 2 Timothy verse 4 to 5. And it simply says this. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Each of you have been uniquely placed in the perfect place where God wants you to be. Through the family that you surround yourselves with, through the friends, the workplaces that you are in, the schools, the colleges, the universities, God has put you there for a purpose. God has put you there for a reason. And if it's nothing else, it's just to clothe yourselves differently, to just take the love of Christ wherever you go, and to share the good news of Jesus. And as that passage said, it's something that we work at. You know, I'm in sales, and when I started in sales, it didn't come naturally. It was something I had to work out. I had to read books. I had to go on courses. I had to practice. I had to have experience. And in the same way, we need to do the same by telling, the other, telling others the good news. It's something we work at, something we work at. We keep going, we keep inviting, we keep sharing that good news in a natural way. Each of one of us has something to be thankful for. 
And we need to work at telling people the good news of Jesus. Share how he's transformed your life. Share how he's given you supernatural power. We are carrying something special. In Colossians 3 and 16, 17, it said, Whatever you do, whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Whatever Buddy the Elf did, he did it as a representative of Santa. In this, in this new year, let's let our lives shine. Let us be representatives of Jesus. This Christmas, as you are around family, take time and take stock. Be thankful for God's provision and his goodness. And use this time as an opportunity to show kindness.